Hello, a very good evening and welcome to The Locker Room. This is the number one sports show on Indie Live Radio. We're here every Friday night. Speaking about funny enough sport, and believe it or not, I'm quite upset, Matthew, because this is the last show of the year. One, two, three. Oh, okay. What a year it's been. <laughs> yeah. I can't say I'm sorry to see the back of it. I think, I think, I think the best part of the year was working with you. No, uh, <laughs> I got interested from about June onwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My memory banks deleted from January to June. <laughs> and know? how we managed to fill short airtime with sport that wasn't happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know what we spoke about. We must have spoke about the the Fedent Championships or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so good evening. Welcome to the show. Coming up tonight, we've got a busy show as always, um, so let's just dive right in there and uh, speak about the, it's funny speaking about the Scottish Cup final, Matthew, from last season, but the finals on Sunday. Well, would you believe, if you if you take a look back on this, the preliminary round of the Scottish Cup that's going to be played on Sunday started on the 10th of August 2019, <laughs> when... Uh, <laughs> Was it Genefield Swifts hammered Easter Scotland, uh, league rivals Coldstream 9-1. Um, so that was the start of the Scottish Cup season all those time um, all that time ago. Um, and if you think about even what's happened in the meantime, because you forget all these things. You know, it was only, what, the fifth round replay between Motherwell and St Mirren was probably one of the highlights of the Scottish Cup run. Um, yeah, yeah. When I think the latter let uh, a 4-1 lead at half-time slip. Um, only then to win on the penalty shootout and things like that happened. So it's actually been a pretty good Scottish Cup run it was, um, or a good Scottish Cup competition. I had a few uh, giant killings. I had lots of goals, would you believe? Um, I had teams from East of Scotland playing quite well and uh, defeating the League Two sides. Uh, was it Pennycook Athletic, I think it was? Um, <laughs> you, know, you, to do it. you know what we, we should get done last year, right? You know who, like, on the TV, they the goal, they show you the highlight from the first round to the to the final. Well, to the yeah, final. you should have done that first. Well, definitely, because do you not remember some of the stuff? I mean, Bonnie Rig Rose beat Montrose two one, right? That's, that's and and that's the end of the show this week. <laughs> there was other ones. There was uh, BSE Glasgow beat uh, East Fife. I can't remember what the score was there, but uh, BSE Glasgow beat uh, East Fife and knocked them out. Um, I think was it as well. Um, <laughs> no, there was a few. Like I think BS even beat East Kilbride as well. All these things happened in the Scottish Cup uh, this year um, that will be unfortunately forgotten about because of COVID. Um, but oh, yeah, I think Kelty Hearts also had a good run in this competition as well. So there was lots and lots of giant killings in this competition, even without the Motherwell St Mirren game or you know Aberdeen beating Kilmarnock and the usual sorts of things. Um, Ockham Lake Talbot. Uh, Beat oh, I yeah, think it was Auckland Lake Talbot, actually. They beat Hearts. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, it was at Auckland Lake as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, that's what it was. They beat Kelty, and that was a big shock. Yeah, that's, that's right, yeah. So you're trying to remember all these things that happened, and it's a shame because they were big at the time. Um, and it's only now when you look back, uh, you can remember them a little bit. But all mm. of that will be forgotten about, unfortunately, because of COVID, and it all comes down to obviously Sunday's game between Celtic and Hearts um, and that'll be the game that'll obviously be remembered but there was loads of things in this Scottish Cup run uh, that teams under the league 
the structure should be proud of. Yeah, yeah, I know. And uh, I'm just trying to rack my brains now, Matthew, about how Celtic and Hearts got to the final. <laughs> But uh, you yeah. know they're there, they're there uh, in the final. And um, do you not remember Hearts beating Rangers? That was at Tynecastle. That Hearts. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and believe it or not, was that no a year ago? Because was that no December? Oh, no? Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was. Uh, well, that would have been January, February. T- it was a time ah. also that Hearts uh, Hearts beat Hibs. They went on a wee run near the end of the season. Um, yeah. yeah. And they beat Rangers. They did not beat Rangers at Tynecastle twice. Uh, they beat once in the yeah. league as well. Yeah. They also beat Hibs at Easter Road. Um, so they, they, that was actually a little bit of a good run for Hearts um, that they had. Um, so they were on. They were on a decent run in the cup competitions. Unfortunately, in the league, it wasn't great for them. But uh, the cup was really their. You know, their get out that last season. And, it and it's it's good it's a bit weird as well, right? Because Hearts started in the Scottish Cup in the S. In, in the big league and now they're in the final and now they're in the first division. And they also had a different manager. You know, I think when yeah. they started their run, they had uh, Stendhal was in charge. Yeah, um, that's right, yeah. Yeah, because like, that, uh, he, he beat Rangers, as you, you were saying, at Tencastle. Well, that's, I mean, they were so poor in the league, but the cup was a get-out for them. Um uh, you know, I think they beat, thinking of Hearts, I actually remember Hearts run a bit better than Celtics run, strange enough, um, mm. because they beat Airdrie, that was their first time, then they beat Falkirk, and then they beat Rangers, um, so obviously that was the games that when Stendhal was there, and they obviously went on a little run in the cup, and it was the only thing that went right for Hearts last year, and then obviously, you know, add on so many months, they then obviously beat Hibs in the semi-final uh, last month. So, you know, Hearts' run to the final has been quite good, but obviously it's had its ups and downs in the sense that, you know, different league, different players, different manager. You know, what's going to happen with Craig Gordon? Is he going to get a, a winners and runners up medal? Because he <laughs> played in the competition for 72. <laughs> uh, yeah, so all these questions will, will um, you know, be answered on, on Sunday. You know, I'm trying to think back of Celtic's run. You know, Celtic, I think they beat Partick Thistle. Uh, they beat Clyde. Uh, yeah, yeah, they beat, home. yeah, yeah, they beat St. Johnston as well, and then obviously uh, last month, you know, when they were struggling, they managed to beat Aberdeen. So their run to the their run to the final has been equally dramatic. Yeah, uh, in fact, I remember that St. Johnston game because was that not the second last game before the shutdown? <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that long S there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was the thing. Um, but you know, the, the Scottish Cup, this Scottish Cup final is quite interesting as well because I know Celtic have since lost to Ross County and obviously lost the League Cup. But if you think May May two thousand and sixteen was the last time a side, and I moved to Ireland actually full time this this month, May two thousand or this month and year, May two thousand and sixteen was the last time a club other than Celtic won a domestic trophy in Scotland. Uh, can you remember who that was? Uh, uh... I'll remind Hibs? you. Well, uh, close. I'll remind you. Uh, Hibs beating Rangers three two in the Scottish Cup, which yeah. uh, end, which ended a run of 114 years that Hibs won in the cup. Uh, but since that moment, Celtic have won every single domestic trophy. Oh, and, yeah. Do you want to hear what else happened that year? Because I've done a bit of research on this. Cause it was interesting to see. You know, like the last time Celtic didn't win a major trophy, David Cameron was the prime minister. 
Uh, the Angry Birds movie was number one at the box office. Uh, Barack oh. Obama was the president of the USA. <laughs> you, you happened, Biddy. A Biddy uh, boy. Would you believe the next month Brexit happened? The vote for Brexit happened. And um, oh. the big one was uh, Leicester City won the premiership. <laughs> what were I talking about swearing about saying Brexit? <laughs> but, like, it's quite crazy when you think of all those things. That seems like years ago, and it was years ago. But that was the last yeah. time Celtic never won a domestic trophy. And that obviously could continue into next year, um, depending on what happens on, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so looking, looking at the game on Sunday, Matthew, right, um, speaking about Hearts first, because obviously we like to build the games up. <laughs> um, Hearts, <laughs> you know, Hearts have scarred well off in the championship. They've got a good record. In the championship, and um, they, they, I mean, they, they only, um, they've, they've only got twenty five games this season as well. I mean, I always name drop on the show, and I only know one Hearts fan, um, personally. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and obviously his name's Graham Duffy, and he won't mind me mentioning. But if you, if you go on what Graham says about Hearts. Hearts are in the, the, probably one of the worst teams he's ever seen and the manager's absolutely pathetic and they're not doing very much. And He'll laugh when he hears this because this is all you get from some Hearts fans or the one that I know. Um, but uh, like you say, Heart, the one thing about Heart, the Hearts do have is they're actually on quite a good run. Um, obviously, they'll start this game as underdogs, don't get me wrong. I mean, they will start as underdogs, but um, you know what happened in Paisley on Wednesday night when St Mirren knocked out Rangers shows what the underdog can do on mm-hmm. a one-off basis. Um, you know, Hearts are on a good run of form, and even though it's the championship, and you know Celtic therefore should be favourites, obviously. Um, and even if Hearts won the Premiership, Celtic would be favourites. That's just the way it goes. But because they're on such a good run of form in the championship, whatever league it is, it will mean that the players for Hearts will go into this game with great confidence. And that's the one thing, you know, Celtic obviously have won the last two games, but the confidence for Celtic could easily dip when I go, if a goal goes in against them. But as Hearts, mm-hmm. because they are so confident, they are going into this happy. They're going into this knowing the system that they're playing. They know what to do. They've, they've obviously knocked out Hibs only last month, so they know how to beat a team, arguably, that's on just as good to run as Celtic in the, in the league, and Hibs. So they know how to beat top-flight opposition. Uh, so therefore... And they've, they've won Scottish Cups. Hearts, Hearts know how to win Scottish Cups. They know how to win big games. So um, I think going into this game, um, you know, Robbie Nielsen, Craig Gordon and goal, they'll be confident um, and they don't really have anything to fear. It's almost like a no-lose situation for them. Um, and, you know, this game could be one of those ones where, OK, they might lose and they're expected to lose, but in theory it could be an unforgettable occasion for, for Hearts. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they perform and how Celtic perform because if Celtic perform the way they've been doing over recent weeks in games and they do concede early, Hearts could technically cause a big upset here. It's not out of the, out the uh, realms of possibility that Hearts could win this. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, looking back to last uh, season, uh, well, last season, maybe about two seasons ago now, because every, every player smashed cup because of the coronavirus, but uh, Hearts took the league in that game, and I think Celtic not won 2-1. Well, yeah, I mean, it, this this game is just one of those ones where 
you know, I think in the dressing room for Hearts, they'll be, they'll be playing it down a little bit. They'll be coming into this just quietly, but they'll be confident. In the cha- I mean, the Championship, when you think about this, the Championship as a, as a, as a competition isn't weak. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, Hearts are winning games this year against really strong opposition. And there's a lot of pressure on them. I mean, I think you mentioned that, you know, there's less games this year. And I think because of that, there's even more of a heat and pressure in that league. But Hearts are still winning. I mean, I think they've won four of the last five, um, some form like that. You've got a sense in Hearts that everybody there knows that they've got something to prove. But without the pre- the pressure on this game anyway, because it's a Scottish Cup, they know they've got something to prove. But the pressure isn't on them in this game only. So Hearts can go out really and express themselves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did see Hearts, uh, um, maybe you're the same. Uh, I saw Hearts at the beginning of the season when I think we called it the email derby between Hearts and Dundee. <laughs> and Hearts, yeah, nah. I mean, Hearts played well that night, um, but also saw them against, uh, was it uh, Abroth? Arrow? I can't, I can't remember. The second game where, where they just won 1 0. Yeah, I mean, they've won, I mean, it is pressure. Hearts are obviously the big team in the Championship and there is a lot of pressure on them not only to perform but to win. Uh, but they have been doing that, don't get me wrong. I mean, they've been showing that they can win games on a consistent basis. It's almost like Celtic in the Premiership. The, the expectation on Hearts is huge in the Championship. But in this competition, I think they can obviously take the foot off the gas a little bit and they can perform without knowing there's a pressure there to win because... Most people will expect Hearts to lose. But, I mean, like I said, they've got experience of winning this tr- competition. I mean, mm. um, I think Nielsen, you know, he's won the competition for Hearts. Uh, Craig Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. yeah, well, he was in that same cup final. I mean, I think Nielsen and Gordon played in the same side in 2006. When yeah. he played Gretna. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and there's obviously other t- players in the Hearts side, you know, the ex-Rangers contingent who have won competitions as well or played... Played at a high standard as well and, and high pressure games, so you know Hearts aren't going into this as a complete and utter underdog. There's a no. there's a ch- there's a chance there that you know even though Celtic are expected to win, Hearts are on a good re- run of form. Like I said, the pressure will be off in this game. They can go out and just perform to their best. They are a Premiership team. I mean, when you look at their, their side, they are a Premiership team on paper, mm-hmm. and Celtic, you know, will have to perform at their at their best to. To, to to what to really go on and create history. I mean, the pressure's all on Celtic because if you think about this, and given all the mess that's gone on in the recent months, Celtic are on the brink of history on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Let, let's speak about Celtic now, Matthew, because it's been a, you know, it's been a funny beginning to to the season. What was it? Nine games without a win, and then the last two games they've actually. Putting some decent performances and decent results as well. Okay, you, you might argue about the the European game because they were out anyway, but they still have to uh, prove to the fans and all that that they could put on a performance and win. And you know, I've I've been impressed with them the last two games, but they may be, you know, they they may be up for this game again because, as you say. They could make history, but also this is a one-off game, Matthew. So, you know, if they beat, if they get beaten this one, they lose the cup. But they also lose out in the treble, treble. So, yeah, maybe you're right in saying that all the pre- press is on Celtic a bit more than Hearts. 
mean, history, I mean, if, if, to put Celtic's one in context, I mean, the quadruple treble, a 12th consecutive trophy. And like I said, when you run, you run back through all the things that happened the last time some other team than Celtic won, other team than Celtic won the cup, you know, it was, it was years ago. Um, Celtic are on the brink of a 12th consecutive trophy. Um, I mean, the whole thing is unprecedented for, for, um, for Celtic. Um, and even though the club's been, like you said, you mentioned that, you know, the club's been absolutely beset by problems this season. Mm. Um, and it's obviously surrounded the complete and utter fall off of the 10th, 10th league and title in a row sort of, um, sort of collapse that's happened. And obviously, you know, the question is, does the quadruple treble still matter? And the answer is yes, because no one's ever done it before. And it is a huge thing. Although obviously, like I said, 10, 10 titles in a row will sort of consume everybody this year but the, you know a quadruple treble is still massive mm-hmm. uh, but I mean the scary thing is Celtic's collapse you know has been pretty fast and staggering I mean you know one minute you start, you're starting the season and you think Celtic and Rangers are going to be running neck and neck and all of a sudden Celtic take a, almost a nosedive um, you know this season and you know when you look back on last season Celtic won 12 out of the last 14 games so they were coming into this quite confidently and then obviously the summer happened and then all of these unconvincing performances started. Celtic lost to Ferenc Varos in the, in the Champions League qualifier. Celtic were unconvinced in the league. They were unconvincing in the Europa League. The wheels absolutely came off the bus when they played Rangers at Celtic Park um, in October and Neil Lennon looked doomed but like you said, the last two games they've shown light at the end of the tunnel. You know, they've got they've started to shore up at the back they look a lot more solid. They've got rid of players that either don't want to be there or haven't been performing for Neil Lennon. And the last two games, um, they've not obviously taken away from the fact that it's been a disaster this year for Celtic, but they've started to show a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, or on the other hand, they're papering over the cracks. It's, it depends which way you want to look at it. Um, but the, there is light at the end of the tunnel for Celtic this year and for Neil Lennon. And it's clear, you know, if Lennon keeps winning, he will keep his job probably at least till the summer if he does keep winning. Um, and this is really the first first of those games where he does have to win. Um, and I'd say for December, not only does he have to win this game, really he has to win every single game in December to mm. keep his job running up yeah. to the old firm game in, yeah. in, in, in January. So, so basically you're saying every game's a cup final? Every game's definitely a cup final. I mean, yeah. This year it is all about the 10, don't get me wrong. I think for Celtic it is all about the 10. But this game has the potential to make Celtic, um, well, history makers for um, probably all time in this regard. It's a massive game. Every game is massive for Celtic from now until the end of the season. Am, um, I, am, I, am I right in saying as well, Matthew, that um, I know that you come up with different uh, stats and all that, what I'm game, um, you know, in the same year as, as whatever, when Celtic never won the cup. But am I right in saying that the last game Celtic played Hearts was Neil Lennon's first league game in charge of Celtic against Hearts at Tynecastle? And that seems like that seems yeah. like ages ago as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that game, I mean, when he sort of took charge again, he was under pressure because even though the league and on in theory was won, it mm-hmm. wasn't won. He still had to go and he still had to win these games. You know, I think there was a there was a trip to Easter Road tied into yeah, that as yeah, well, right? Yeah, yeah that, um, that was the second game, Matthew. And I think that was a uh, was that not the quarterfinals as well? 
yeah, that's right. So, um, he has got a good record against Edinburgh sides. I mean, he does do not too badly um, under pressure. I mean, this year's just been this year's just been a disaster for him. In all in all honesty, um, and it is all about the ten for him. But I think you know he's found a winning formula. You know, they, they, they like I said, they changed the team against Leon Kamarnock. They found a keeper that can actually command his penalty box. They found a defence that can actually defend as their main task. Mm-hmm. Um, their midfield, with Sorrow and uh, McGregor, they can win the midfield battle. With uh, people like Ellen Yussi out wide, they can create chances for Edward or Kamala or Griffiths or whoever's going to play up front. And with Turnbull, you've got a guy who's just got a real drive in midfield. I mean, he reminds me of the Scott Brown at, um, at Hibs type player. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got drive. He can get the ball anywhere on the pitch. He can get forward. He can create chances. He can do all that. So he can score goals. He can do everything that Scott Brown used to be able to do at Hibs in his early time at Celtic. So I think they've found a formula now. And I think Lennon has to stick with it. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would guard against this weekend is, I mean, I think Lennon might go back to the old guard um, just because they've obviously won the trophies up to now. Um, they might deserve that chance. And Lennon does tend to you know, have a loyal aspect to his career. But I hope for his sake, if he does do that, Celtic don't lose. Because if he does do it and Celtic lose then we're back at crisis point for him. The, um, okay, so that's the game on Sunday. By the way, it's a funny kickoff time for that game. Uh, half two on Sunday. It's usually a flare clock, but I suppose it's just the TV and all that. So it's half two on Sunday. Celtic against Hearts at Camden Park on, <laughs> or, um, on last season's Scottish Cup final. That seems a bit weird for, for us to say, but it's weird times that we're living in at the, at the moment. So, um, oh, definitely. Just looking ahead to the league games at the weekend, Matthew, I was going to say that there was one outstanding game of the weekend, but I'm looking at that St. Mirren St. Johnson game. That looks a, a tasty game as well, but I'll, I'll read the, the, all the games at the weekend. Um, so we've got Hibs against Dundee United. Rangers is at home to Motherwell. Ross County is playing Hamilton Ackies. Uh, St. Mirren has is playing St. Johnson. Um, uh, uh, so the championship, we will have Aloha against Inverness. Ablove against Air United. Dundee against Confirmant. That that's a, a tasty game as well, I would say. Morton against Queen or the South. Uh, but Matthew, um, I was going to say Hibs against Dundee United. We'll speak about that one first. I mean, I saw Dundee United last week against uh, Rangers, and they they, they played well. Uh, that the first half, Dundee United, I think they had the better chances of the game. But the second half, they just couldn't get out. That they just couldn't get out. It was all Rangers for the whole, uh, all, all the forty-five minutes. But you must say, even though they get beat Dundee United two-one, I thought Dundee United can the battle go away well. I mean, if you think about Dundee United as well, they've had all the crisis with COVID over the last few weeks. So, you know, they're, they're obviously they're a new club in this league, which is difficult enough. They lost their manager. Um, in the pre-season to Hearts which added pressure as well and then obviously they started the season quite good but they obviously had lost uh, Warren, um, they'd lost the main striker um, Shanklin so they'd lost him 
and they still started the season okay. But obviously, when any team's promoted, you can have your up and downs. But they've obviously been affected by COVID, mm. um, you know, over the last few weeks, uh, players and staff. So they've had a very turbulent time. Um, so their their performance against Rangers um, was actually quite good, considering all of the the um, COVID situation that was going on at Tannadice. So. They played all right. They've played all right against Celtic and Rangers this year. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, yeah. quite, they're quite an impressive team, considering they just came out. They're bang in the middle of the league, so it kind of suggests where they're at. And they travel uh, to Easter Road, which I think, for, for any team at the moment, is a very difficult game. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, while Hibs form has been up and down over the last few weeks, uh, they are obviously, right now, they're the third best team in the country and obviously if they win this weekend uh, they go above Celtic into yeah. second Yeah, and I think you know Hibs if they've got any ambitions to finish in the top three then this is the sort of game that Hibs have to win and to be honest I, I can't see anything but a Hibs victory this weekend but I mean as you know with Covid it's very difficult to predict and it's mm. been all over the place this year but I, I mean, think Hibs have got the I mean looking back to last week's game um, you know I, I can't remember what I said in the show um, but Hamilton and uh, Hibs was looking at an interesting game and Hamilton makes lives difficult for teams no matter if they go away from home or at home for years now, Matthew. But like, I was surprised to see that Hibs won in, what was it, 4 now away from home? And yeah. that, that was a good win for Hibs last week. I think Hibs have, a, Hibs have the best, I mean, their squad might not be big enough, that's the only worry for Hibs. But when they have their best sort of 15, 16 players available, Hibs probably are the third best team in the country. Um, and I think when we predicted this at the start, some people laughed at us when we were saying, you know, Hibs are going to have a good season this year. And some people were like, don't be stupid, don't be so stupid. But they've proven that I think they've got a solid defence finally. They've got, like I said, Gogic has been a big thing for them because Hibs always struggle to have a midfield battler. They've always, they always have nice players, they've got quality players, you know, um, that can create chances. But very often they lose midfield battles and having someone like Gogic in there. I think it's just solidified their defence. He's nothing. He, he does nothing really but break up the play. But that's what Hibs need, um, and that's what they've needed for a while. So they look a lot more solid. They've obviously uh, got Nisbet up front, who's been scoring goals for fun. Um, and even though with the sad passing of his father, he's still continued to have really good form. Um, so I think Hibs, Hibs this year have looked a, a different prospect. They've only lost three games. They've won nine out of seventeen. Um, they're in great form. Easter Road is a difficult place to go. Um, and yeah, I feel for Dundee United because they're just cut, starting to come out of this COVID situation. And then your first trip after that is Easter Road, um, which is obviously a really hard place to go. So, I mean, like I said, it's nothing against Dundee United, but I think Hibs are just too hard to beat and they've got too much quality up front. And I think Dundee United will struggle to live with that. The other interesting game this weekend is that Mullen has been on a good run of form, even though, okay, they beat Rangers uh, during the week, and I think everybody was surprised about that, Matthew. And I think that's, uh, what, 10 games unbeaten now. But, um, I mean, when you look at the opponents at Johnson there, they've actually started to pick up as well, and they're also in the semi-finals of the League Cup as well. So that looks like a very entertaining game, that one. 
Yeah, I mean St Mirren. I mean St Mirren are on a good run of form, and obviously that includes the cup runs because when you look at their league form as such, it's not as impressive. I mean they're only two points off bottom in the league. Mm. Um, they're one point obviously off Hamilton in eleventh. Um, so I mean the league's quite congested. I mean if you think about Ross County's twelfth on on thirteen points. And then obviously on sort of 17 points, you've got Kilmarnock and St. Johnson, who are 8th and 9th. So it is quite congested down at the bottom. But St. Mirren really need to start picking up points in the league. Um, and they have a chance to do that against St. Johnson, um, especially at home. Uh, they've obviously just beaten Rangers, so uh, confidence will be high. And, you know, again, if, you, if they've got designs to stay in this league and be quite comfortable, then I think you'd be looking to beat St. Johnson at home. Uh, but St Johnson are obviously one of these sides as well that are quite difficult to beat as well um, and can be quite solid as well so it's, it's a difficult game to call I mean I wouldn't be surprised if I send them in a draw um, yeah, yeah. but like St Mirren really should be looking to try and pick up points especially at home to try and clear themselves from that those bottom two positions Just quickly mention the game Ibrox as well Rangers against Motherwell Um all I could say is a Rangers win, but I think that wins can and they get beat against St. Mirren. Rangers will have to get back to winning ways as they can, but Motherwell's been a bit disappointing so far, especially when it comes to Rangers and Celtic because uh, the old firm went there and they beat Motherwell convincingly. I think it was 4 0 or 5 0 in kind of like both games. Yeah, I mean, what I'll say about Rangers is this is the first time this year that Rangers have obviously lost a game. Mm-hmm. It's the first time this they've week that they'll be cut. Yeah. They've been tested. I mean, sadly, it's the first time they've been tested in domestic football. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they'll come into this game, you know, for the first time having lost the game, the pressure will be, I mean, it'll be huge pressure because when you bear in mind, you know, um, Stephen Gerrard hasn't won a trophy with the Rangers as yet and if you think about the fact that the League Cup was seen as since Celtic got knocked out the League Cup was seen as a trophy that Rangers might win and that'll be the first one and get over that hurdle to mm. then lose it against St Mirren has put huge pressure on, on Rangers and that could be the thing that causes them problems because as we saw last year when they started to lose games the pressure mounted and they just couldn't get out of that rut mm. so this is a big game just to see where they're at um, like you said you know they played uh, Motherwell uh, earlier this season and they won 5-1 but if you know if Robinson manages to get his defence to play sturdily solidly and manages to keep Rangers maybe peg level the longer the game goes on the more stress Rangers will have mm-hmm. and I think you know if Rangers don't get an early goal this game could be very interesting at Ibrox on Saturday and by the way if, if I can remember back to that game at Fur Park Marlowe never scored a goal because Dig Rangers not scoring on goal in that game. <laughs> Good memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, that game was disappointing because I think everybody thought Rangers would get tested at first park. And when the score came in 5-1, everybody was like, oh, well, that's a massive result for Rangers. But also, it shows where Motherwell are mm. um, in the realm of things. But, you know, I could see that Motherwell, if Motherwell parked the bus almost this weekend, and you're looking at 20, 30 minutes on the clock, even half-time, and you're looking at nil-nil. Imagine the dressing room at Ibrooks. The pressure will be on. That's when Motherwell could get a result out of this. Um, and this is where Rangers could struggle. But on the other hand, you know, if Rangers come out the blocks and score early, it could be another 5-1 on your hands. 
it just depends really, I think, how this game progresses and as the clock ticks down as to what kind of game we get at Ibrox on, on Saturday. The other game or at the weekend would be uh, Ross Kent against Hamilton. And right away, you, you can say that that's a bottom six game as well. Uh, that's bottom six, um, you know, and that's uh, kind of like six-pointer in that game. Yeah, they're neck and neck at the bottom. Um, I mean, obviously, it's at Ross County, so it might give Ross County a slight advantage. We suggested Hamilton would be around there or thereabouts at the bottom. Uh come the end of the season and you know nothing's really made me change my mind as such um, I think we'll see where Ross County are at this weekend and I, you would hope for the, for the Staggies sake that they could beat Hamilton at home uh, but if Hamilton go there and pick up something even a win then it'll be a great boost to Hamilton this season so it's a big game even this early on it could it could make or break this year for, for either of those sides um, but, but I mean it's difficult as well because Obviously, we are not going to be here for um, the next two weeks. And there's some interesting games going on over the little break. So, I mean, I think on the 23rd, mm. St. Johnson are playing Rangers at Perth. And that's another game that Rangers will, Oof, will have a lot of yeah. Yeah, and on the same day, you know, Celtic play Ross County at home. Yeah. So, so yeah, but that means nothing, obviously, <laughs> result-wise. But, you know, if Rangers again go to St. Johnson and struggle in Perth and Celtic are beating Ross County at home, uh, it's another thing that will stand uh, Rangers um, in good stead if they win. But if they're not winning, then the pressure will start mounting again. And then Rangers are at home on Boxing Day against Hibs, uh, Ibrox. So another yeah. interesting game as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Rangers having lost it against St. Mirren, the pressure mounting. They've got a home game against Motherwell, and then obviously you've got games coming up against St. Johnson and Perth, but also Hibs at Ibrox is humongous, um, and Celtic on the same day travel to Hamilton. So mm. you would expect Celtic to win. So leading up to that Old Firm game on the second of January, uh, Celtic in theory have a chance of closing that gap. And or on the other hand, Rangers have a chance to prove that they're finally champion championship material. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the old from game and 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 the new year something to uh, look forward to. Um, a bit of news, Matthew, about the bit of news coming out today actually about the old game. I don't know if you've heard of this for something called Brexit. Don't know if oh, I've not heard about that for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never heard of it. Um, maybe it's a bad word, I'm not sure. Um, it, it's about Scottish football clubs facing facing major uh, kind of deals because uh, if the same players outside of kind of like um, Britain, no? yeah, Britain, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, that this story has been about for ages, and I think most people, most football fans, journalists like me and you and all that, will get, yeah, I classify you as a journalist now, Matthew. Well, <laughs> welcome to the club, it's not going back now. Um, the the we we were talking about um, Matthew's all happy now. Um, <laughs> I'm just I've made this Christmas. Angus New Year, Angus Busty, and about um, about players not coming in because of the of this kind of carry on with the Brexit. I mean, I mean, obviously at present, you know, EU players can freely sign for Scottish clubs. Um, it's not a problem at the moment, and obviously Scottish clubs have been using that to their advantage because 
while the English market, obviously, the internal English market, might be a bit off for Scottish clubs at the moment because um, the costs are, are so high about recruiting English players. They've been using, you know, the I mean, talking about St Mirren, I mean, St Mirren have been using the Irish market. You know, Celtic and Rangers have been using the EU market for a while to bring in not only players who are established, but also young players who are coming through the system who might go on to be top-class players. So, you know, the, every club in Scotland has been using the EU market to its advantage. But obviously, you know, the, depending on what happens uh, deal-wise in the next few weeks, we could end up with radical changes in club structures because of Brexit, because Scottish clubs can't bring in the EU players as easy as before. Um, and it may mean a completely strange in their focus and structure. But, you know, that's the negative side of things. We might not be able to see as quality of EU players coming in as we've seen in the past. The bonus of that is something that we mentioned uh, previously. Uh, it may, though, result in homegrown players coming to the fore again. Yeah, it might, be, it, a, it might be a good thing as well, Matthew, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what you might find is that you know, from the EU player side of things, if there's say there's work permits, I mean, it depends on what the Home Office uh, fr- frame this like. But in theory, you know, you could have a situation where, you know, right now, obviously, we can we can sign anybody in, in the EU. Um, it doesn't matter if they're seen as good, bad, or indifferent. But what this might result in, um, and I fall in the middle. It could be a good thing or a bad thing. But um, what it could mean is that only European players of a certain standard will be able to come into the country. They'll be able mm. to play all the time because of the point system that might be introduced. But on the other hand, it means that Scottish teams will have to focus more on their youth players to fill their ranks. Um, and as you've seen, Scotland are getting slightly better at that over the last few years. But it may well be that Brexit forces them to become even more um, centred on their own homegrown players and that Scotland may well produce better players because of that. So it'll be interesting to how, how it changes club structures and league structures as a whole. Um, but one thing I can say is it will definitely change them one way or another. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these stories where we just have to keep on top of it. And to be honest, Mafia, it's not going to go away anytime soon. <laughs> and it may change. And it may change. You know, we could yeah. have it. We could think we've got this sorted. And then, you know, in a few weeks' time, it changes again. So it's difficult to know how this will play out. But, I mean, there's a... It's going to be difficult because it will limit what players Scotland Scottish teams can bring in. Mm. So that's the downside to it. It may well mean that we, you know, we as Scotland have to then look to the English market, which will cost more money, um, mm. which is a negative. But like I said, you know, it may well result in youth players being given more of a chance, and that can only be a good thing. So it will have its negatives, um, but it will definitely have its positives as well. Okay, so um, a bit of rugby news now. Uh, news on uh, Glasgow Warriors coming up soon, but also last week, Matthew, was a, a big week for the Rugby World Cup. I think it's 2023, is that right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, the draw for the 2023 World Cup pools, mm-hmm. uh, pool stages have been made, and in true Scottish fashion, uh, Scotland are in probably the toughest pool that they could have been given. Uh, after being drawn against South Africa, who are the number one team in the world at the moment and current world champions, and Ireland, who are currently, what, fifth in the world and are doing not too bad and obviously hammered us a few weeks ago um, at the Aviva Stadium. So, you know, it's a very tough group uh, to be in. Like I said, Springboks are the champions. Uh, Ireland are obviously one of the 
best teams in the country at the moment as well. So, but on the plus side, for if you're a general World Cup fan, for Scottish fans, it's a disaster because it means they probably will be in a fight to get out of the pool. Mm-hmm. But looking at it generally, you know, all three teams that were mentioned are currently in the top eight of the world. So it's going to be a very competitive group. Um, mm-hmm. It could be, it could be close. And Scotland are obviously moving up the rankings as well. So Scotland mm-hmm. are seventh, Ireland are fifth, South Africa are first. It's a very good World Cup group. It's just a shame because while Scotland are getting better, it's sod's law really that Scotland would then draw a group where two of the two of the um, sides are are probably better than us and really world class opposition. And just in case anybody's picky about the letters of the groups or whatever, um, it's Pool B for for that one. But um, you were saying to me, Matthew, that um, there's one more team to come out. Uh, this, is it this weekend or in a, a few weeks' time? Yeah, the qualifiers coming up. There'll be qualifiers from the Asia-Pacific region and there'll be qualifiers in Europe. And the outcome of that will complete Pool B. Um, and the games are obviously in France, so it's not too far to travel. Mm. If uh, if we could get a maybe little trip over, Michael, uh, to France, we could go and watch a couple of games. Yeah, um, bonjour, bonjour. Yeah, that's all I know. Bonjour, yeah. au revoir. <laughs> yeah, that'll be us. Au revoir at the group. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, we'll know in the coming uh, months really what teams we get from from Pool B. But like I said, that'll be a tough ask to to do anything in that group because of uh, it, because of Ireland, sorry, and because definitely because of South Africa. Um, big news coming out of uh, Glasgow Warriors just to get after you, and I don't know how you feel about this one, but the um, the. Champions Cup match with Lyon. Lyon has been Lyon. Sorry, um, Lyon. So, um, yeah, I'll say that again. Glasgow Warriors game, a uh, uh, Champions Cup match with Lyon has been um, postponed because, t- believe it or not, twenty of the Glasgow players have been isolated because of the coronavirus outbreak. And when they play a game Exeter last weekend, I think they were talking about that Matthew in the show last week. Um, when they were playing Exeter, who beat the Warriors um, forty-two 0 in that game uh, last weekend, so most of the players, in fact, all the players, pick up uh, the coronavirus. But I thought this was a bit hard to believe that. Um, that they have made a decision to hand over. A twenty nil defeat, and now I don't know about you, but that was better than last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean that that's a bit harsh. That <laughs> and they're getting better. Um, I mean, last week was a disaster because I mean we were talk- we've, we've spoke about how COVID and international rugby has affected the Scottish sides um, in the Pro Fourteen and in the Champions Cup. It's obviously continued in that. I mean. Last week was a disaster for Glasgow, losing 42-0 to Exeter. And then, you know, like you're saying, it, it just went from bad to worse. You know, players picked up COVID. Mm. And now it looks like, you know, the it could be that the Warriors will be given a 40, uh, sorry, will be given a 28-0 defeat this weekend, which would mean that their hopes of progression are very slim to none um, in this pool. Um, it's a shame, you know, I think COVID's obviously affecting sport and, I do think if it could be rearranged to be played, then I think it it should be. Um, but unfortunately, you know, if these are the rules that have been set to. I mean, I think in the International Cup, 
you know, Scotland benefited from uh, a 20 0 win as well, didn't they? So, uh, was it Fiji? Uh, they lost 20 yeah. 0 because of COVID. Um, so, I think it's set a bit of a precedent here uh, that. You know that if you do have to pull out because of COVID, you will be awarded a twenty-eight nil defeat. Um, and Glasgow Warriors really are on the brink of that. But what's sad in this moment is obviously it didn't really affect Fiji one way or the other when they when when obviously the games were cancelled um, because they were struggling regardless. Um, but obviously this game, this twenty-eight nil defeat, would obviously signal really the end for Glasgow Warriors. Um, Mm. chances in the Champions Cup and I think that's what's sickening. While I can see that that's what they're doing and obviously that's the rules, it's sad because it will end Glasgow Warriors um, progression in this tournament um, and that's quite sad to see really. And I mean it's not just happening in rugby, Matthew, we, we've spoke about for weeks and weeks and weeks about uh, the football uh, Kamalk, uh, St Mirren even Marwell uh, that get found in um, and gig, gig um, Kamalk uh, were they not playing Falkirk in the League Cup and Falkirk um, without kicking a the ball they won that game 3-0 Yeah I mean I think I think it's almost like because they're trying to fit in everything that they used to fit in even though the league's started a lot later because obviously the COVID gap and then there was a bit of a pre-season and then everybody started a lot later than they normally would but they're still trying to fit in all these fixtures that they would normally play and because of that there's not a lot of room for manoeuvre mm-hmm. um, and yeah I can, I can it's, it's disappointing for play, for clubs and players uh, when they're not playing and they're being affected by COVID um, to be given a, a defeat whether it's a 3-0 defeat or whether it's a 28-0 defeat in, in rugby but I can see what's happening here because they're probably thinking, well, there's no real room for manoeuvre here fixture-wise. We need to get these fixtures down on paper one way or the other was finished. And this is the only way they can do it and finish the season. I feel it's a, I feel as it's a harsh way to, to award teams points instead of, you know, giving them 3-0 or 4-0 or 5-0. You know, they, they should just give people the points and say, I you won that game 5 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the score lines are a bit much. I mean, even even if they were to be awarded, say, 1-0 defeat, especially in the league, you know, mm. because go, a lot of things in the leagues could come down to goal difference or points difference in rugby. Yeah, and if you're handing out, you know, if you're handing out 3-0 defeats or 28-0 defeats, then it does affect your goal or point difference. Yeah. So as I see that are, that line of argument is definitely something that is a bit unfair. I mean, well, I mean, look at Marwell, right? I'm not, I'm not saying they've all been the bottom six or the relegation uh, battle, or maybe St. Mirren as well. But that should be, um, you know, a case of, you know, surviving in the league or getting relegated because of the points that they've lost. Yeah, or Motherwell. I mean, Motherwell, yeah. if you think about Motherwell, they'll probably be fighting for top six. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, so, that's the same in rugby as well. And you, you could say that's the... Maybe if you think about other sports as well. I know we're talking about football and rugby, but if you think about other, other team sports, I, I don't know any oh. offhand at the moment, but, you know, that, that could affect a lot of teams. And a lot of teams maybe going out of business as well, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, rugby's even more complicated because if you think about rugby, not only can you lose, I mean, you can lose 20 mil, obviously, but in rugby you can lose but also pick up a bonus point. Mm. 
So mm-hmm. how does that come into it? Yeah, I know. It's, it's very difficult to it's very difficult to come up to with a standard solution that works because well, the reason I mentioned the bonus point is obviously Edinburgh they played last week in the European Champions Cup and again Edinburgh lost, mm-hmm. um, but Edinburgh only lost by you know eight to thirteen. Um, so if you think about that, because they lost, yeah, but they picked up a bonus point that may be make or break in their challenge for. Uh, the European Champions Cup. So, yeah, I thought, you know, Glasgow, obviously, uh, probably would have had a decent result, actually, at the weekend. But um, bonus points are coming into it. So not only have they been beaten off the park because of this COVID and 28-0, but they obviously don't have any opportunity to pick up any bonus points. So it sort of doubly affects rugby more than mm. even football. And now, here's a, here's a kind of, like, shame... Shame, uh, shameful. I think it's. <laughs> I think that's the word I'm looking for here. Um, plug for the next thing we're going to speak about. And so, I mean, you would get take off points in boxing, would you? Boom, boom. See that? Does that mean you? Does it? Does that mean like if you have COVID in boxing, someone's just come? got to come along and punch you in the face yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um but i don't know if you saw what i did with that link no maybe not. i was covered i was yeah, <laughs> yeah brilliant good stuff that's my view maybe in boxing you should have like you know you could dress up a punching bag if someone has covid you could just dress up a, a mummy or something <laughs> or maybe <laughs> Or maybe take off a round, round at a yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> round two. You're um, getting one of those blocked dolls we were talking about back in uh, July. <laughs> Just have a blocked doll in the in the ring and see how you get on. I've got to I've got to remind Matthew that this is a, a sports show. Uh, <laughs> I've lost the, my fist I've lost my fist in its mouth. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, well, seeing it's coming to the end of the show um, <laughs> and the end of the year. And so, yeah, let's move on swiftly now. Um, I, I was doing quite well up to that point as well, Mark. Um, yeah, um, about Josh Taylor, uh, the, the boxing the Big Hibs fan. Um, he's thinking about his uh, future this week, calling it a day. Um, the world uh, champion is calling, maybe calling it a day um, of boxing. And he's only, for he's only um, 36. So what I wanted to say, Matthew, was um, do you think that a lot of people will be the tithing early through the sport because of the coronavirus or, you know, whatever, mm. because think- they're not competing enough? Yeah, I mean, I think I think what the coronavirus definitely has done is it's given some it's given people number one time to think. Mm-hmm. So you know when you know when you know events were taking place and Josh Taylor obviously um, his career was rich in possibilities, so he could have been fighting quite a lot or training all the time. So he wouldn't have had a lot of time to sit back and consider his future. But the COVID thing has given people time to think. Uh, and it's also given people a look as to what life is like when you spend more time with your family or just in your own company generally. I think it's given people a perspective as to what their life is and what's important in life. So I think from that side of it, I think COVID has given people an opportunity to do that. Yeah. So you may well find you may well find more sports people are retiring early, for example. But in this case as well, I think Josh Taylor's thought about it and you know, it's it's a strange one because he obviously he's quite um, 
he's quite a popular figure in the sport. He's quite uh, he had his legs in front of him really. Um, he's very um, successful in the sport, but um, I think he's thought about it and he's just thought, well, you know, do I want to be fighting that? You know, the end of 36, 37, 38 and the body's starting to go. Uh, should I go when I'm at the top of my game? And that's something he's obviously thinking about. I mean, that's why I mean you retired quite early, and you know, um, because I thought, well, I can, I can put all these <laughs> people punching me every week, so I'll just kind of yeah. give up punching, uh, punching block dogs every week. It's just not on. That's um, it, mate. That's it, mate, Matthew. No, I'm, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Yeah, well, in some dodgy places in Edinburgh, I'm sure maybe Josh Taylor knows about. It. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it's a shame, you know, because I mean, you know, uh, he is in his prime at the moment, and you know, mega mega fights, you know, probably are starting to come in front of his eyes. He does, you know, he does have a career that's very like. There's a possibility that he could go all the way. Um, he's obviously won titles in the past, so it's pretty strange that he's retiring. But you know, mm-hmm. like we said about COVID, he's also thought about his career. He's thought about boxing. He's thought about what his life might be like when he gets to sort of our age and the end of his career. And does he want to be um, fighting people at the ages mm-hmm. of thirty-eight I mean, and his body's <clears> falling <throat> apart? So he obviously wants to go out at, at the top of his game and fair play to him. I mean, you, you might think as well people's mental health might be affected because that. Uh, they're going to boxing in an empty, empty arena, and obviously back in the day, back in the day, the the hot the the boxing arena was packed with fans, and you know maybe that's got something to do with it as well. Maybe not, but you know. Well, I mean, I mean, like I said, it's it's obviously given people time to think about what they want to do. Um, mm. I mean, Josh Taylor, he's got. Um, I mean, the next thing for him, he's play uh, fighting. Uh, Jose Ramirez and to become undisputed world champion, and that will be you know in America probably February March April time, and I think that's a big thing for him. So if he does go, if he does obviously fight in America, he'll have the big show, he'll have the crowds in. Hopefully, like you said, it's another thing off his sort of list of things to do. I mean, maybe if he does go there and beat Ramirez and he has fought in the big games and or big matches in America, maybe even, you know, Nevada or Los Angeles, you know, that's a big thing for him. But once he's done it, you know, what else is there for him to maybe do? And maybe he's just thinking, you know, I'll tick that off the list, get mm. that done, get the big fight done in America, and then he can retire with money and also at the top of his game rather than seeing it out. And like so many fighters do, see it out and not be at your best. I might actually do another shameful link here, Matthew. Are you ready for this? Oh, no. <laughs> well, when Matthew was speaking about America, let's speak about NFL then. Huh, did you see that I dig there as well? <laughs> I I'm like talking a, about America. Yeah. I'm on a roll here. <laughs> um, well, we're coming to the end of the NFL uh, link season, so we're getting near the playoffs, and all the games now leading up to the end of December are all about the playoff uh, spots that are available and there's an extra playoff spot available this year so you know right now in the AFC it looks like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to qualify one and two in the playoffs and in the NFC it looks like the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints are going to qualify one and two from there so those four are going to be in the playoffs it looks like two of those four teams are actually playing this weekend Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing against the New Orleans Saints. 
uh, and probably what I would say is the game of the weekend. Um, yeah, like I said, it's number one in the AFC against number two in the NFC. It's a possible Super Bowl, um, a Super Bowl matchup. So we could be having a preview of the Super Bowl in February time. Uh, but mm. it's hard to see who's going to win this game because New Orleans Saints are obviously struggling a little bit with injury. They've lost their quarterback who might not be in in time. Now, they do have uh, Taysom Hill, who's having a pretty good season, um, trying to you know cover for that. But you know they are losing. They're arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And I think because of that, in this game anyway, in a possible Super Bowl preview, the Kansas City Chiefs will probably find it hard against Kansas City. Um, Kansas City are obviously having an unbelievable year. Uh, Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends in the game. Patrick Mahomes is obviously one of the best quarterbacks and he's having a fantastic year. In fact, he's down for another sort of uh, MVP season um, for the Chiefs. So, you know, while I don't think it's going to be... It could it could well be a um, Super Bowl sort of, um, sort of preview but I don't think it's going to be the complete story to that. And I think because of the injuries, I think the New Orleans Saints will be defeated this weekend. But it's a very big game and it's the best game on the Sunday card. Uh, another big game is obviously this Sunday is the Seattle Seahawks are playing the Washington uh, football team. Uh, I think because Russell Wilson is on absolute fire at the moment, I think the Seahawks will have too much for them this weekend and will win the game quite handsomely. But Washington have been on a good run of form themselves as well. So it's not going to be all Seattle's way, but I think Seattle will just have too much to defeat Washington this weekend. And the Texans are playing the Colts this weekend as well. Again, I think Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And, you know, I love the Texans because he's in my fantasy football team. But again, I think the Colts will just have too much this year this for this uh, game. Uh, they've been playing well. they found the running game. Their defence has been playing well. Um, and I think the Colts will just have too much for them uh, this weekend and, and win the game. And that obviously will have knock-on effects for the playoffs because obviously you've still got the Colts who are still challenging in the AFC for a, for a playoff place. Um, so it's going to be, the next few weeks uh, are going to be very tight and it's all about playoff football at the moment. You'll see hot and cold performances you'll have you know last minute winners uh, last minute touchdowns um, you'll see it all uh, this is when the NFL hops up hops up and when we come back uh, after the new year um, you know we'll have a better picture of who's in the playoffs and where we're going in the Super Bowl just a, just a couple of notes Matthew before we finish off um, on the 28th of December the first round of the Scottish Cup and um forgot to say this earlier on it's good that the BBC has got to show the first round of uh, the Scottish Cup uh, Queen's Park is playing then so watch out for that one on the 28th another one for your diary um, Boxing Day at 6 o'clock me and Matthew no we're not boxing um, we are um, we're, we're doing a special show um, looking at women in sports. So as you remember, earlier this year, we had Maureen McGonagall on for, for women in sport, uh, women, uh, women in sport in Scotland. So we're going to be speaking to her about women uh, in sport and stuff. And we'll be back on the 8th of January 
and uh, yeah, so um, it's been a pleasure uh, being here for the for the past couple months, uh, speaking about uh, Corona issues and all. With what non-stop? With yeah. what non-stop, Michael? Non-stop, twenty-four-seven. <laughs> so, um, all it leaves me to say, uh, for us to say, is Merry Christmas and uh, ho ho ho, Happy New Year, and. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you in the new year. And Merry Christmas to Matthew, my wonderful co-host in Ireland as well. <laughs> and you too, Michael, and everybody else. Have a good one.